Okay, so as Jenna said, we're starting a new series today, and it's called Consequences. Now, children, tell me, if your parent says there will be a consequence, what does that generally mean? Is that good? Generally not. Um, so when we, when we say we're doing a series called Consequences, um, sometimes there are, there are bad consequences. So if we do something wrong, there can be a natural bad consequence. Um, but there are also good consequences, but often we associate it with negative. But actually, the next four weeks is really exciting because we're going to be looking at the good consequences of Jesus dying on the cross and rising to new life. So over the last few weeks on the run-up to Easter, we've been um, we've been talking about what happened in the events of Easter. We've looked at the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for each and every one of us. And then over these next four weeks, we're going to unpack these positive consequences of what Jesus did for us. And today we're going to look at Romans 8. And we're going to think about the sacrifice and the, sorry, the significance of us accepting Jesus, which actually means that we can be adopted as children of God, that we could be part of his family. Um, and in Romans 8, Paul uses this analogy. He uses um, an analogy of living for the flesh or living for the spirit. And so it's this, almost this flesh versus spirit scenario that Paul gives us in Romans 8. And what he's basically saying, and I'll unpack this in a moment, is if we live for the flesh, we live for our own desires. So if I live for the flesh, I do everything I want, I ignore God, it's all about me. But what um, Paul is saying is that if we live by the Spirit, we live for God, and God lives in us. Um, So Paul labours these two differences, these two points in the first part of chapter 8, which we're going to unpack now. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans 8. And um, I'm going to briefly read um, the first 17 verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you would die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slave. 
slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies um, with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So as we look at this passage of Romans 8, and I very appreciate I've very quickly read that because of our, our time today, um, we, we see um, an insight into some of the Christian privileges. Matthew Henry writes about this passage that um, we see the privileges of being a Christian in this passage. And, and, I, and I was thinking about it. I was thinking, so um, for, um, for some of the work I do with Vineyard UK, um, the movement, I, I get to do a little bit of traveling. And because of the traveling I do, I have a member's pass to some airport lounges. Now, it sounds very grand. It's not. You get a little bit of free food. It's never that great. Um, and you get free Wi-Fi, which most places give now anyway. So I think it's probably a little bit bit of a con to be honest but um, I can read about those privileges online I can I can see what I'm entitled to but for me to actually experience those privileges I need to get flights I need to go to an airport I need to go into the lounges and I need to experience it and it's the same today as we look at Romans 8 we can read about it um, we can see what it's all about but for us to actually embrace and um, those privileges that it talks about here in Romans 8 we need to make that choice to choose to live for God, we need to choose to experience those privileges that we're going to read about today. So as I said earlier, there is this, this flesh versus spirit um, um, mentality and theme that Paul um, brings to this passage in Romans 8. And fundamentally, if we live by the spirit, as Paul repeatedly said in these in this very few verses, um, it is, it is a, a way to life. And if we live by the, by the flesh, then it results in death. Um, but what's really exciting is in this passage, as Paul writes um, in Romans, he doesn't just say it's either life or death. Every time he talks about life, he says, but there's more. There's more. And what we know of Scripture is God is always wanting to give us more, isn't he? He's always wanting to give us his best. So from the very onset of this chapter 8, verse 1, we see um, that Paul says that, um, that uh, he reminds us that we are free from sin and death if we are Christians because we are living by the Spirit. And he says, therefore, we have life if we're living by the Spirit. But he says, more than that, we're set free from sin and death. So we have life and we have freedom. A little bit later on, um, um, we see a comparison with life and death again. In verse 6, Paul um, says, that if um, we, he talks about our minds in verse 6. And he says, if our minds are governed by the flesh, it results in, what does it result in? Death. Okay, so it results in death. Um, but if our minds are governed by the Spirit, it results in life and peace. So again, God is giving more. He's giving, if, if our minds are governed by the Spirit, we get life, but we also get peace. So we've got life and we've got freedom and we've got peace. And then um, Paul goes on in verse 10, he explains that we're all subject to death because of sin. But the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Um, so this means that we are right 
by God. No longer are we facing the consequences, the negative consequences of our sin, um, but we experience the positive consequences of the redemption of Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross and raising to new life means that that positive consequence can be ours, knowing that we have life, we have freedom, we have peace, and we have redemption through what Jesus did. But there's a really interesting bit in in this passage that we've read where Paul has explained all this life versus death and then he talks about the power of God. And in this, um, he he talks about the power um, that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I want you to have a think about it. Jesus died. He took on the weight of of all of our sin, past um, and present and future. Jesus died for all of that. He took on the weight of that and he died. And the amount of power that it would have taken God to raise him from the dead after taking on that would have been quite enormous, I think. Um, But um, in this passage we've read, Paul tells us, verse 11, that we have that same power living in us that raised Christ from the dead. Now, that means that children, when you were coming forward and you were praying for the adults, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that is living in you and that then empowered you to pray for those people. It's the same power that we saw heal people that raised Christ from the dead that is living in each and every one of us if we have chosen and we follow Jesus. And I think that's an amazing thing, don't you? Yeah, and Paul just drops it in there in, um, in verse 11. Um, and he says that we, we, we have an obligation. He says, not to the flesh, but um, to make that choice to live by the Spirit. We're always going to have a choice. Um, and are we going to choose the flesh or are we going to choose the Spirit? Are we going to choose to live for Jesus or are we going to choose to live for ourselves? And what I think is the exciting truth about that bit that we've just seen, verse 11 and 12, is that, yes, we can choose the Spirit, and as we choose the Spirit, we have the power of God behind us. We have the power of God that is helping us to resist those things that we know that we shouldn't maybe be doing, or um, those temptations that come our way. We have the power of God that raised Christ from the dead, and I think we say hallelujah to that, don't we? Okay, fundamentally, it's our choice. It's a journey. See, we may hear about what Jesus did, and we may read about what Jesus did, and we may learn about the potential that we have in Christ, but fundamentally, we have a choice. The Holy Spirit may nudge us. The Spirit may show us. He may open our eyes, but at some point, we have to make that choice. I am going to follow Jesus. I am going to choose to live by the Spirit. In a moment, we're going to watch a short clip from Pan. Um, and um, so parents, um, it is a PG. Um, for those of you that um, may have seen it, um, there's, um, a, we're going to watch a little bit of a scene. There's some fire and there's Hook like pretending to be evil. Um, so if you think that your child is particularly sensitive, maybe just for this two minutes, it might be worth just heading into the atrium. Um, but do remember, children, what, um, what you're taught in Ventureland. What do you do in the face of things that you're stood against that you know are the enemy? What do you do? What's Mana taught you? What do you do? Did anyone listen to Mana? Do we laugh at those things? Do we laugh when the enemy comes? Um, so just remember that as, as in a moment when we watch this clip. But anyway, so Peter has learned that he is the chosen one in this film. He learned that there are prophecies about him um, in the past 
that have spoken about who he is. He's learned that his mother is a mighty warrior. And throughout the film, Peter is trying to get his head around this. He's trying to understand whether he, um, he believes it. And the clip that we're going to watch, for me, is one of the pinnacle points of the movie, where Peter is captured by Hook. He's got his hands tied together. Um, it's looking like um, it's the end for Peter. But Peter has a choice. Just really interesting, I watched this a few years ago because um, one of the lads who um, is um, we used to be in use. He's actually in this movie. He's one of the lost boys. Um, Anne and Chris Williams' son, Ben, um, was in it. So um, amazing fact. If you want to watch it, look out for him, um, if you know him, obviously. Um, anyway, um, Hannah, why don't we run that clip and um, let's see um, this clip of Pan. Peter was fine, don't worry. He lived to tell a, the tale. Um, and um, he won in the end. A spoiler alert, but hey. Um, so Peter, in this moment, he thought he had failed. He thought that um, it was the end for him. Facing death, he had a choice. What would he do when he was facing um, death? Would he realize who he is? Would he choose life? And it was in that moment that pa Peter Pan said, I am the son of a warrior and a prince. I will never bow to you. See, Peter realized in that moment who he was. He decided he couldn't bow to the evil that was in front of him because he was um, the son of a warrior and a prince. And it was at that moment that Peter made that choice to stand against Hook. And yes, there was a battle, but in the end, Peter won um, and Hook was destroyed. Now, you might say that actually Pam was the son of a warrior, even though it's fictional. Um, and I'm only the son of, say, John and Jane. I don't know what your parents' names are. Um, but actually, at the end of the day, when we read in this passage of Romans, we see verse 14 tells us something amazing, that we can become children of God, no longer slaves to sin and death, no longer living in fear, but we're adopted into sonship if we choose Jesus. So actually, if we say yes to Jesus, what the Bible is telling us in this is that we can face death and we can stare it in the face and we can say, I am the son or daughter of a mighty warrior. I am a prince or princess. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, um, the fact that he died and rose again means that I am the son of a king, which makes me a prince or a princess. See, at the end of the day, we have to choose. Death is inevitable, but will we choose life? So when we are metaphorically staring death in the face, what are we going to choose? See, Jesus died for each and every one of us so that we can become children of God, that we can be adopted. And actually, you may be sitting there thinking, um, actually, that's not for me. Maybe you've never actually um, taken that step to choose Jesus. Maybe you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian or a follower of Jesus. And today at the end of the service, we want to um, give anybody that is in that position an opportunity to come forward and, and find out a little bit more. Maybe um, pray and ask um, God to come into your life. And actually, if you're sitting there right now and there's this kind of deep, um, almost gut feeling within you that, um, that I'm talking to you specifically right now, maybe I would suggest that it's the Holy Spirit just prompting you. Um, and maybe today is going to be that day um, where you come into the kingdom of God and you become adopted by God himself.
See, as we think a little bit more about adoption, um, many of you may know that this is something that's close to my family's heart. See, earthly adoption is such a great process to actually for us to understand heavenly adoption. See, um, on earth, people will go and they'll find out about adoption. They'll want to hear more about it. They'll want to learn what they can. They go on courses um, run by the local authorities. Um, and then it gets to the point where they have to, if they've been approved, have to search for a child. So they go off and they look for a child or children. Um, and then they get to choose um, who they want to adopt. Now, the child that is there, they don't deserve necessarily to be adopted. There's nothing that they have done which means that they, um, parent, they owe it to, the parents owe it to them to adopt them. But as the parents start to look at who they want in their family, um, they know that a child deserves to be in a family. They know that a child deserves to have the best that they can. And actually, even though there's nothing owing to them, they choose that child to be part of their family. And actually, as we think about heavenly adoption, that's exactly what God does. Because we, we haven't done anything that God owes us a debt. We haven't done anything which means that God says, I've got to bring them into my family because they've done so much for me. In fact, we've actively rejected God. We've actually said no to him and turned away from him. Yet, Jesus still was sent to die for each and every one of us. Even though we have not chosen, um, though we've gone against God, he has said, actually, as he looks out at each and every one of us, he says, you deserve my best. Therefore, I'm going to send all that I have. I'm going to send my one and only son, um, and he's going to die for you, and he's going to raise to new life so that you can be adopted into my family. See, on earthly adoption, it's not done and dusted when the children move in. There's assessments, and there's... Um, Obviously, the children physically moving in, there's meetings, there's more assessments. And eventually, the parents will um, decide that they're going to go to court and they're going to see a judge to become a family. And it's at that point that they ask the judge and they say, um, can we become a family? Can these children be adopted into our family? And the judge will uh, make a call whether they're going to allow it or not. And then the judge says yes, and then the child will get an adoption certificate saying that they are now part of that family. They'll get a new last name to identify them them with that family. Now with adoption there is a, there is a, there's a cost, isn't there? With any children there's a cost. There's a time um, cost. There's a financial cost. Um, there's there's are constantly going to be sacrifices that we need to make. And actually as we think about heavenly adoption, it's similar but different. See, as we go to God in prayer um, and we say to him, God, we want to be part of your family. I'm sorry for those things that I've done wrong. Please accept me as a child of yours. God will always say at that moment, yes. He will always say yes. And he almost writes this heavenly document, um, this eternal document that says, I have accepted you into my family. We almost get a badge, a sticker saying we are chosen by God if we ask him. And again, there's a cost that goes along with that. Um, because God had to send Jesus. For that to happen, there had to be that sacrifice for us to be able to be adopted into God's family. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. Not because we've done anything to deserve that, but because he loves us so much, he's willing to do that. See, some of the... Um, 
um, consequences. Uh, this is one of the consequences of the cross, the fact that we can be known as children of God because of what Jesus did. And this passage of Romans, um, what's really interesting is the, towards the end of it in verse 17 that we just read today, um, it says that we are heirs of God. See, our inheritance, if we become children of God, is eternal life. And um, no longer are we facing eternity without God, an eternity of death, but an eternity of life with God. See, nobody ever deserves an inheritance. We, we um, often, because we are children, um, we would get a natural inheritance. We would get inheritance from our parents. And when our parents um, pass away, they want to give us whatever they had often um, so that we can um, um, have that money or whatever they had, those possessions, those special things. And they want to give it to us. And actually, God is the same. We don't deserve an inheritance, as I said. There's nothing that we have done that means that God is saying, oh, I really need to let them into heaven forever um, because they've done so much for me. But actually, God wants to give us that. He wants to give us his best. He wants to give us everything that he can because he loves us so much. And it's almost as though we have a redemptive birthright when we come into God's family, when we're adopted. We have this redemptive birthright and God chooses us. So church, today, will we choose to live by the Spirit or will we choose to live by the flesh? See, the Bible tells us that when we choose to live by the Spirit, we can cry out, Abba, Father, because we are adopted into his family. What's really interesting is that Abba Father that is used in this passage of Romans 8 is the same ancient Aramaic words that Jesus cried out to God when he cried Abba Father. And actually what Paul is telling us in this passage of Romans is the, the term that um, Jesus used for God, his heavenly Father, is exactly the same term that we are allowed to use um, for God our Father. Because when we come to adopt, be adopted into his family, we are no different from any other child in a family. So we can cry, Abba, Father. And that is our response because God is our heavenly father, someone who loves us so much, someone who um, we can admire, someone who we can look up to, someone who cares for us, someone who provides for us, someone who's there for us, wrapping his arms around us in those times that are hard. Somebody who says to us, it will be okay. See, God has made us princes and princesses of him, our king, someone who is there behind us as a mighty Warrior, So we can stand and we can say, I am the son or daughter of a mighty warrior. I am a prince. I am a princess. And we have freedom. We have peace. We have redemption because God has adopted each and every one of us into his family. And my friends, that is one of the most amazing consequences of the cross. Jesus did that for each and every one of us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some more of those amazing consequences. And I do hope that um, you'll be here to, to just hear um, the, some of the exciting things that we're going to learn about what Jesus did on the cross and what that means for us. What we're going to do is we're, we're not going to do our final song yet. Um, and we're going to um, just go in and we're going to pray in a moment. Um, but as you know, we had our, have a prayer team that um, prays for us before the service. Um, and I'm just going to quickly read through these things. There's somebody here with inflamed lungs, somebody with arthritis in their fingers, somebody with crackling skin on their hands, a man um, with balance problems causing difficulty walking, um, painful, somebody with a painful right elbow, somebody with bereavement, sadness and loss, 
somebody with food allergies, and somebody with Crohn's disease. So if any of these um, ring true with you, um, then please do come and see our prayer team. They're going to be over here on my right, your left, and we'd love to pray through those things. But I did also say that um, there'll be an opportunity for anybody who um, wants to get prayer about um, becoming a child of God. If you're sitting there thinking, yes, I want to become a Christian, I want to become a follower of Jesus, I want to know that redemptive power, I want to have the power that raised Christ from the dead living in me. If that's you today, then again, come see our prayer team. We would love to pray for you and talk to you. But church, why don't we stand as I close and pray for us. Father God, I want to thank you that you are good. I want to thank you that even though the events of today um, on one hand might um, seem not ideal, we have seen your glory, we have seen your kingdom come. And Lord, I pray specifically right now um, for each person here that is being nudged by you to come forward and to get prayer about becoming a Christian. Um, For those people that are feeling um, your spirit's prompt to be adopted into your family. I pray that um, you would give them the encouragement and the strength to come forward and get prayer. Um, And Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us, that you would help us to choose to live by the Spirit, knowing the promises of the word that say that we um, receive freedom, righteousness and peace because of what Jesus did on the cross. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us and you would keep us, that you would um, make your face shine upon us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Please do come and get prayer. Um, And as, as we always say, tell your friends about Jesus. Thank you. God bless.